From Edge Radio 99.3 FM, this is an edit of The Dice Men Cometh, the podcast. The Dice Men Cometh! Good evening, everybody. You are joined here by uh, luscious Leon, Magic Mark, and the do-something porn himself, old Gary Glitter Garth himself. Gary Glitter. That is not good at all. No. I was actually supposed to say Garthy Glitter, and I just looked at you and just got Gary Glitter for some reason. I was going to say Gary Glitter and porn in the same sentence. Yeah, let's... not... Let's, Not a good thing. Let's just scrub that. You said come up with an intro, and that was the best I could come up with. That's and right. And fail miserably. Anyway, this is The Dice Man Cometh. It is indeed episode 289 on the 19th of December 2019. We are nearly out of this decade, lads. And what a decade it has been in the scheme of board gaming, which is what we're here to talk about. Any game you can play on a big old table and some that you don't even need a table for. And for those who don't know, we have now entered... <gasps> The seventh year of the Dice Men Cometh, believe it or not. Closing in on episode 300 in our seventh year. Wow. Unlucky number seven. Yes. And it's our first impeachment. We haven't seen an impeachment yet, so that's pretty exciting. I mean, this impeachment day... Uh, yeah. from our side of the planet to the USA's. Yes, it's a shame it's not Australia's own personal impeachment, but, no. you know... We're working g- on it. Giving away where we're leaning there. <laughs> anyway, this is not a show about politics. This is a show yeah. about board games, the people who play them, Which the card us. games those board gamers play, yeah. and the roles those gamers play when they role-play in the games... Anything that you can do on, around, under, or near a table, mm. we'll talk about it. Yeah. Will we ever? And we do so from the wonderful city of Hobart. Mm. And we do so every Thursday night at 7pm for, as you have said, a long bloody time. Mm. But it's exciting because it's getting close to Christmas, chaps. This time next week, we will be over Christmas and we will be here on Boxing Day because that's the level of commitment Amazing. But also, this time next week, we will be doing something that a lot of people look forward to, including us. We'll be doing our top ten games of the year. One of the best episodes every year, I do dare say. So you you do have to get through the shash of tonight, but we're going to try and make it somewhat entertaining. But not just that. (laughs) No. We're also going to be drawing the winners of a competition. Indeed you do. That we can't talk about. No. Except... On other mediums that you may follow us on, such as Instagram and Facebook and yes. Twitter and those things. And la- later on in the show, yes. if you're listening to the podcast, you'll yes. hear all about it. Indeed you shall. So anyway. I was going to say, before we finish, uh-huh. if you are doing your last-minute Christmas shopping, don't leave it too late. Or the 19th of December. <laughs> but don't forget... LFG-Oz.com.au. Oh, yeah. LFG Australia. I did see they've got some bargains happening online. You might not get them delivered by Christmas, but, hey, hopefully you all, like some of us, have holidays and you'll be able to wait for the postman to arrive with that special package. Or you just drive to Canberra and pick it up. Or you can, if you're close by. I'm looking forward to giving my postman um, some chocolate tomorrow because, you know, I know him because I see him every bloody day. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Hobart. So, look, it is The Dice Men Cometh. It's Edge Radio, 99.3 FM. It's episode 289, believe it. Mm. And here's your song. Hi, my name's Joe, and I have been nicknamed JJ for reasons only The Dice Men know. 
Well, there you have it. That was Faithless with Muhammad Ali here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. You are listening to The Dice Men Cometh here to talk about board games, card games, more board games, and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. Make sure you check them out on lfg-oz.com.au for all those Christmas specials and all those events they have during the year. Now, Garth, mm. speaking of LFG... And speaking of the events, they have one in particular being Essen Unplugged in Canberra that happens late in the year where all the new games from Essen come out, thanks to them, for us to play. Yes, we played one. We played a game there. Absolutely we did. And the game we played is Ragusa, which should be called Dubrovnik, but doesn't have the same ring because Ragusa was the name of Dubrovnik, but we're talking about Dubrovnik slash Ragusa in the 15th century when mm. it probably was still Ragusa. Well, I think they should have gone, gone with Dubrovnik because when I hear Ragusa, it just sounds like a curry to me. It does. Dubrovnik is a place as far as I'm concerned. But Ragusa is, yeah, just Un- is a meal. Is it an unnamed, unnamed Ragusa game? Maybe. <laughs> uh, Anywho. I nearly hit a goose on the way home from work. <laughs> but I didn't. I stopped because I'm a good man. Oh, thank goodness. I am talking about Fabio Lupiano's latest game which is a one-to-five player, very simple game, except if you read the rule book, Mm. where these one-to-five players are going to be given 12 little building meeples and the game will end once the last of those meeples is played and you will end the game by figuring out who has the most victory points. Mm Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this concept before. It feels like we say that almost every week, but yes, yes, indeed. Whoever has the most points will be the winner. But Ragusa is a very simple game, bearing the lead, made complicated by a not-so-easy-to-read rule book, Mm. where you will hopefully have a lot of fun because all you're going to do on your turn is place down one of the houses and do a thing. And you'll do that 12 times and then you'll score your points and if you get the most, you'll win. So because of that rule book, it's not getting nominated for any spiels anytime soon then? I don't think it will be. But anywho, we're too early in the conversation for that, Leon. Oh. Well, so I... this game is set in 15th century Dubrovnik. Dubrovnik but also it's known as Ragusa. Yeah. You're going to be sitting around the table, you have your 12 houses... You will then have a little individual player board that is going to track your resources Mm. because what this game does is it allows you to earn resources but never spend them. Oh. And that's pretty cool. Well, that's how the rich stay rich, by keeping the things. (laughs) So there there are six resources in this game. There is wood and stone and fish and grapes and olives and silver ore. And the first thing that every person... Or what? Move along, please. (laughs) Is that they're going to build their first house. And in order to build a house, you need some wood. But no one starts with any resources. So what are you going to do? Well, you're going to build your very first house... Next to a forest? Next to some wood. Because this is a hex-based game where you're not going to be building on the hexes. You're going to be building on the actual outlines of the hexes themselves. Mm. And the hexes allow spaces for up to six buildings. So say it's my turn. It's my very first turn. I need to generate some wood so I can build my house. I quite simply plop it out out in a regional space, which is connected to some wood. And hallelujah, I've created some. So you're a thief is what you're trying to tell me? No, I am an efficient forester. Okay. Is that what they call them? And here, jumping in early, 
Here's one of the things I love about this game is unlike that very early hexagon-based game where you're gathering resources and each turn you have to gather the resources, this game uses the very elegant mechanic of I have a house that is adjacent to a forest and a quarry and a great field, vineyard. That's the one. Which means <laughs> each turn... <laughs> I love a tour of a good great field. That's right. Each turn I have a wood and a stone and grapes to spend. I don't need anything to signify that. I just can see the position of my houses and know that I have that much resource to spend. And do I track it on my player board? Well, let me get to that point, Mark. But, but hang on, while we're still on this, so you're trying to tell me if tomorrow I just go stand next to a bank for long enough, yes, sooner or later... Some money. The, Awesome. I know what I'm doing tomorrow. It's going to be a hot day, though. As long as you've got a sign that says, we'll drop pants for money. (laughs) I've always got that sign. (laughs) So, look, we keep going. You place your house down. And, yes, Mark, for every resource that you are adjacent to, of which you may be only adjacent to two, but Mm -hmm. more than likely you'll be adjacent to three, you use your individual resource board to immediately allocate the number of resources that you are entitled to. Yes. So this resource board has six recessed components to it. They match the six resources, as I say, the wood, the stone, the fish, the silver, the grapes and the olives. And in each recess is a card that will go from one through to four on one side, but then you flip it over with double-sided board technology and it goes five through to eight. Oh, fish, I remember them. So the most of a resource you can have of any type is eight. And the thing is, because you're never spending them, you just need to have access to them, Mm. you're probably never, ever going to get to eight because why the hell would you? But it's an easy way of tracking it. Once you've built your first house, if you've built wisely, you've incorporated stone into one of the resources that you now have, which Mm -hmm. allows you to then build in the city tiles, Mm. of which there are ten of those, and that's where you get some mucho bueno, wonderful potential action all to do. Well, everyone knows, Leon. Hello. If you live way out in the sticks, there's not much happening. You don't get... Your hands on the exciting stuff. Except for like, lots of sticks, obviously. Like you and do some stones. Oh. Yeah. Like you do when you live in the city. Yeah. You might be able to grow your own grape field. Ooh. Everyone knows the big parties happen in the city, Leon. So you'll use the and outside. The bishop, or the cardinal or whoever he is, he throws the best parties. Anyway. Oh, how big is his grape field? You use your outside buildings to generate resources. You then will move yourself into the city and that is where you will be able to turn those resources into things that will include victory points ultimately. So the bulk of this game, which is an incredibly quick game, it must be said. Mm. It probably plays, I don't know what BGG says, but it should play in an hour or less, even approaching maximum player count. After you've played it one time, that's what I feel. Once you've established a little bit of resources in your own little settlement. You've got some wood, you've got some stone, you might have some grapes, you might even have some silver ore and maybe even some fish, which are the wild resource. 40 to 80 minutes, Mr Internet says to me. There you go. So I think under 60 for experienced players is easy. Pretty close. Weight 2.75 out of 5. What do you Mm. reckon of that? Well, I think it is probably heavy... Sorry, lighter than that number suggests. Oh, really? I was thinking... 
Oh, and here's a shocking thing. It's a one-to-five-player game that's best with four people. Who'd have thunk it? Oh, that's right. 99% of one-to-five-player games. Anyway, no, I, digre- no, no. I digress. You're right, Garth. I was going to say something, but I'll wait till you get to that section. All right. So we're placing houses down. You're having a turn. You're moving along. And look, the key to this game is about getting a bit of an engine going where you're able to maximise it. And the one thing that I have not talked about yet is that, like I say, you're placing your house on one of the peripheries of a hex. Not in it, around it. Around each hex there is space for six houses. And this game takes on a little bit of a mind of its own because you don't have to displace one house in that hex. You can place two or three or four or five or, heaven forbid, even six. I think you can actually only place a maximum of three, can't you? No. <laughs> you sure? Yes. I seem to remember some restrictions. Well, yeah, I I'm think... Also, I'm also remembering that Mark didn't read the rules. I, so... and, and I think that I wasn't oh, there to play. Oh, no, it, so. no, hang on. Sorry, I take it back. I, it's because if you want to build a fourth house on a ring, let's say if it's in the city, you've got to have access to four stone, which is quite difficult because it's one for each house you've got in that ring. That's what it is. I was was just about to say that. So seeing as my my point was derailed, thank you very much, Mark. (laughs) Yes, you do need to have ample resources Mm. to build all your things, but we're not getting bogged down in the minutiae of this game. No. What we are going to briefly mention is that every time you place a house on one of these hexes, that triggers that whole hex, and in some cases, multiple hexes, And this is where you will never, ever be bored playing this particular game because say I choose, for example, the Mason Hex and I place my house on the Mason Hex and I do what the Mason Hex allows me to do. What does it allow you to do? It allows me to place a wall around the city and I want to do that because I will get one point for each bit of wall Mm. that is adjacent to one of my structures and the longest wall I have will earn so many points. But after I've done that, around the hex in a clockwise order, the people who have already built their houses around that hex will get to do that again. So if I'm late to the mason party, I'll place my house and do my thing and then I'll go, oh, no, Mark's already placed at a house and he gets to do it for free and then Leon, he was already at the mason hex, he gets to do it for free, but, oh, I've got a second house there already, so I get to do it again. So each of these hexes becomes an increasingly interesting proposition as more and more houses are placed. And that is kind of the game in a nutshell. There are ten hexes within the city. All of them offer something a little bit different. There are three that are kind of the same, Mm -hmm. as in they will turn one of your basic resources, like olives become olive oil, silver ore becomes silver and grapes become wine. You are just turning a basic resource into a commodity which you can then sell yeah. and is earned for, for points and yeah. that's really, really cool. But then you've got seven other little um, hexes that you can visit where you'll be able to build some wall or yes. you'll be able to get more end-of-game bo- bonuses or you'll be able to just do some scoring of victory points at the end or you'll be able to go and visit the wharf, wharf that allows you to turn fish into victory points or you'll be able to do some other things. And it becomes this really interesting puzzle that you are trying to get victory points on every single turn in the short term so that you don't let a runaway leader occur. 
but that you're also maximising your endgame victory points when you'll be potentially spending a whole bunch of commodities, cashing in some cards that give you endgame victory points and what have you. It's a really interesting puzzle to try and figure out. And those city spaces, there's a couple of them that don't trigger as it's, you sort of go around the hexagon and then the others that do, which makes it, as you said, a fascinating puzzle, like those that mason that lets you build the walls. And clearly it should have jumped out at us that walls are really important because you've got all these extra wall pieces in your colour each and that's the only time you get to use them. Yeah, well, you're 100% right. And those two hexes that don't trigger any sort of around the hex bonuses are the Rector's Palace, mm. which is essentially you get to draw a couple of in-game bonus cards, choose one, and that's it. And then the Cathedral, which is for every full set of commodities, the olive oil, the silver and the wine, you will get points equal to the current value of each of those resources. So that's purely both of those yeah, cases are in-game bonus. Yeah. You didn't know walls were important. Have <laughs> well, you ever heard of a city called Troy? Here's the thing, Or a Leon. place called China. <laughs> Here's the thing, you know, and you, you alluded to it at the start of this talk, Garth. Being LFGS and unplugged, yes. being brand new games from Essen, mm -hmm. no one's played them. True. Except the Germans, perhaps, or the people who got lucky enough to go to Essen. Huh? So what did we have to do? Well, we had to sit down, open up the box, pull out the rule book, no luxury of YouTube or... Rodney or... He would be on YouTube, eh? On YouTube or Paul Grogan or any of those other fabulous rules explainers, even Stella from Meeple University, we had to get, play the rule book, play the rule, we had to read the rule book and work out how to play the game. And was it Aos, our friend Aos Garth that was reading this one? No. No, someone a little bit closer to home, Mark. Damn, I'm trying to blame someone else. I may have been reading the rule book. Was it old Garthy Glitter over there? It was. <laughs> and uh, even though Mark didn't read the rule book, he's already interpreted things wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, look, it is a challenge. There were five of us sitting yeah. around the table here. Only for there was, a while. There was myself and you, Mark. There yeah. was Aos and Joe and then Cam. And then we read the rules and I was reading the rules not thematically and not interestingly. I was reading the rules to get to where we play the game. And Cam, our good friend, did a Leon. Yeah. And he just went, nah. Not for up. me. Yeah, drops mic and walks away. That was away. a very sensible thing to do as opposed to sitting around for two hours and ruining everybody else's well, experience. Well, you would think that, wouldn't you? Oh, well, the, okay. The weird thing was, with the reading of the rule book, I know in my head, and I, I have to ask you what was in your head because I couldn't see it at the time, I wasn't in the right position of sitting, it sounded like a slightly advanced... Catan, it really did as you read the rule book and you were like, uh, uh. but when we had that penny-dropping moment, which was about turn three of 12, where a second person started to go on the, the hexagon where a first person had already been, mm -hmm. and then we were like, oh, when the second person goes there, then you go round the hexagon and whoever's already on there also gets to go, oh, what if I've got two houses? Oh. What? Oh. And the penny dropped and then it was like, oh, my God, this game doesn't have enough turns. It's going to go too quickly. I can't get my engine going. What am I going to do? I've got too much silver ore and I can't get rid of it. 
the most white man problem I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Too much silver ore. Oh, what's a man to do? It's coming out of my ears. So what I did in preparation for this game is I did watch a Tom Vassell. Oh. Because there's still not a huge amount of content out there mm-hmm. about this game. And in the space of three minutes, I reckon, yeah. of a video explanation, I went, I know everything I need to know about this game. <laughs> oh, really? It is no more complicated yeah. than three minutes does uh, is needed to justify it. But the rule book does a horrible version of explaining the simplicity in this game. It is quite simply place a house, do the thing. If anyone else has placed a house there before, go around in a clockwise order and resolve it. I understand that the little bit of um, having to have the resources in advance to be able to spend them is a little bit more complicated, but only marginally. And it is is different to most Euros in that in most Euros you will take a resource and have a store of resources and then spend a resource whereas this is has that clever thing of you have access to that resource you've got access to three lots of that resource so you can spend up to three and in most cases you never spend that much and you don't really need to worry about it yeah and uh, look that's what made this game this this game interesting Mm. now i really enjoyed the play that we had and for me it was arguably the only game of LFG's SN Unplugged where everyone around the table played it and went, I'm ready to do it all again. Yeah, I'm pretty sure when we talked about um, SN Unplugged, I called this my absolute surprise of the con Yeah, because after that initials rules reading, I was thinking, oh, let's just get this over. And by the end of it, I was like, if it wasn't for the fact there was a whole bunch of new games straight from Essen here, I'd go bang, let's go again right now. Yep. yep. Absolutely. And which, had it been on the auction table, which it wasn't, oh, yeah. I would have bought it. Yeah. yeah or which, at least paid some money which, to try and buy it. Which, as you said, Mark, it speaks volumes when yep. you're there to play everything new as much as you can, get as many of them as you possibly can. You might not get a chance to do it again or anytime soon. And you all very heavily considered playing at the end. Even yeah. the most favourite games of mine I've ever played, when I finish them, I go, that was great. Very rarely do I go, all right, let's play it again yeah. straight away. So yeah. that's And that's, that's the joy of this game is it played really quick, actually, in yeah. the first play. Yes. We might have got through it in, say, an hour and a half. It, it was definitely one of those games where you go, oh, no, I'm not going to have... I'm, like, two turns short from a really amazing strategy. Yeah. I've got, and then, and then there's some really interesting, interesting decisions of, okay, how do I maximise my victory points? Given I know I've only got two turns left, and I want to do four things. Correct. Yeah. And that's the thing is that look, we we've said this so many times on the show. We play so many games one time, so that's why we don't review. We just give impressions. And this impression on the first game was, it takes you three turns mm. or to, to actually grok it and go ah ah ah. Okay, I figure that bit out. And look, maybe on the fourth or fifth game, it wouldn't be that interesting. And a reason for that is everyone's first move has to be placing a house out in the regional areas because yep. you need some wood. Where you place those will determine the resources that you're also able to get because it might be wood and olives and stone or it might be wood and stone and fish or it might be two wood and who knows what else. There is certain variability, but it's all about the powers and the order in which the city gets filled up yeah. that really will throw the scoring in this game in multiple different directions. And we, that, had, we had scoring go from 
50 and 60 points to three and four points mm. during the course of our game in terms of players who were able to go, I'm going to maximise points and find a, a strategy that worked, and players who didn't do and so well. Shout out to those beautiful little wooden bits where you've got your houses and then you've got your walls and at first glance you were like, those walls are a funny shape and then you realise... It's because you can place a house or, in fact, someone else can place a house and then you can place a wall over the top of that house and use that to connect to your other walls and not interrupt, to have the house not interrupt the walls. So it means if you've got a house connected to a wall or a wall connected to a house, your wall and their wall is all contiguously joined. Now, before we move on to your final thoughts, fellas, um, is this the game, or am I wrong, that has a version on Kickstarter right now? That's a, a spiritual it's... successor somewhere? Yes. Yeah, Venice, Venice, which has either finished or is very close just to about finishing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Although, having come home from Essen Unplugged and heard that the spiritual successor, as people say, is on Kickstarter right now, I had a look at it. Yeah. I didn't see a lot of similarities now maybe it's that old rule book thing again of oh i read how the game works and i don't really understand until i start to play it mm. it had some similar elements but it certainly didn't strike me as this is a sort of a um progression or a finishing a refinement of that the previous i game. agree so it, it, it didn't grab me at all mm. i came home and i looked at venice and i went is this a game I'm interested in? And I found myself being more interested in the bundle that included Venice and Ragusa. <laughs> there you go. And I'm not going to spend that when really all I care about is Ragusa. Mm -hmm. So, look, I really, really, really did enjoy this game and I think everyone at the table did too. Yeah. And that speaks volumes for a game that I don't think needs to be so expensive. I couldn't tell you what the price of it is. It looks bog standard. It doesn't look like anything interesting. It uses standard house meeples that you've seen in almost every other game involving mm. houses. The board itself, there's double-sided board technology, which is cool, but really it's the same side. One of them is just slightly less obvious, and that's for players who have played it a lot yeah. and they don't want to have extra bits of lines around hexes and what have you included. I really like the walls and the, the fact that you can build walls and then you've got your tower meeples that are the ones that allow you to place a tower structure over someone else's wall, um, house. That's really, really cool. And the ships bringing goods in and out, which we haven't talked about at all, are just a little bit of interesting flavour. That's where you're going to get access to more bonus points because mm. the ships are thematically bringing goods into Ragusa. You are spending one of your commodities, be it wine or olive oil or uh, something else, to purchase sure. them. And you'll get victory points or you'll get multipliers to victory points that you're already earning. And it's it's really quick. The market adjusts the prices of the commodities very simply, mechanically. It's just good fun and it, it just is a great way to spend an hour. Well, it combines that, the sort of the map coordination, not area control, but it is important where you go. You've got that market mechanic. You've got the end game bonuses. It's just got some quite a bit going on that all comes together into a package that unfortunately because of the rule book you don't get a real appreciation for but this to me this is a, a it's a, potentially a hidden gem yeah well I, I think if anyone sits down and is playing with it as long as one person has watched a video mm. or has played it before the experience will be polar difference to our first 15 minutes sitting yeah. at the table where 
it was almost going to be you pack it up and do something else. Mm. Right, so there you go. Rule book bad, walls important. <laughs> Thank that you was, very that was much, Liam. That was me summing up that 30 minutes of conversation. <laughs> well, uh, on that bombshell <laughs> that Iceman Cometh are going to go to a song before we talk... Leon gets to talk about something and we get to poo-poo his games. Yeah. You with the Dice Man Cometh at Radio 99.3 FM. My name is Martha and I love having the Dice Man Comet at LFG events. Thank you. Be there. And we will be there too because we are the Dice Man Cometh here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. That was the Kings of Leon... With On Call, and now we've got... They think they're the bloody kids. The real thing, Leon. Damn right. And he's going to talk to us about another game that we played not just at SN Unplugged. Garth, you and I played some there. But we played it before SN Unplugged. Yes, we've played it quite a bit. And we've also mentioned it on the show probably nearly once every week for the last mm. couple of months, so it feels like we have anyway. Well, we played it at AOS Unplugged, didn't we? Yes, yes we did. This game comes from us, from our good friend AOS and his magic quiver of joy. Weird. Anyway, uh, this game it is an originally uh, made by Italian designers and they are, oh, God, Martino Chikahira and Perl... Peraluca Zivivi? Zivivi? I'm very sorry. You should be. I'm a, I mean, I, I'm sure they're lovely people. I'm just not good with words. I'm a numbers man. We've established this. And it is published by DV Giocci Games. So, again, Italian design originally. And this is a game that is actually really hard to find. There's a game a version that came out in 2016 and one that came out this year. And I actually had to get our good friend Renee to hoof these back from Essen mm. because I've never seen these available in any Australian retail before. And what I'm talking about is the game Three Secrets that we've mentioned a few times. Now, this game Three Secrets, it says it plays two to eight players. Now, Realistically, you could play it with any number, at least two. However, the kind of the crux of this game is that you're looking at an art card and you're trying to figure out information based on the card and the questions you're asking. So two to eight is probably right because you can't have that many more people gathered around one mm. card you're looking at. But you can play it with as many as you want. Uh, age 14 plus, that is because this is a mature content game. It is all about looking at cards and a crime has taken place and some of them are very adult. Yes. Some of them are definitely 18 plus, I would say. Not in a... They're not good. <laughs> Some no, of them are very unpleasant. Not like a good crime. No, uh, I was like, trying to... Like a happy-go-lucky crime. <laughs> I, was tr I was trying to politely say that they're not... They're, they're violent crimes. Mm. They're not like the other kind of crimes that are also bad. <laughs> the happy-go-lucky crimes. Uh, you, you know what I mean. I'm not hey, saying... Hey, I that. stole the Freddo. You're not Correct. Anyway, uh, it says 15... From Cabri's. It says 15 minutes... You could say 15 minutes. This game actually comes with a timer, which I'll explain in a minute. But this is a game that takes could be less than 15 minutes. could be only a couple of minutes because the way you can teach this game is by holding up an art card to somebody and tell them to just start asking questions about it. Before we do that, I'm going to tell you a little spiel that's in the booklet of this game. So, everyone has secrets. Your challenge is to bring these hidden truths to light. I don't. You do. I tell you everything. Really? Yeah. 
especially about that time when the... Oh, yeah, you're not going to talk about that, are you? Anyway, so in Three Secrets, you are a detective struggling with unsolved cases. An undercover agent knows the truth but cannot reveal everything straight to you. They know or their cover would be completely compromised. Ask them questions and solve the case before the bad guys get away. The clock is ticking and the clues are scarce. You'll need an observant eye, lateral thinking and deductive skill to unravel the three secrets of the characters in this game game. So the way that it works, well, thank you very much Mark, is there is a lovely app that you download with this game. You don't need to, all you need is a timer, but the app does it really well and it also tracks your progress of the different versions of this that you've played. And I'll just quickly read you the contents list of this game because it is quite fascinating. Contents. A deck of 50 cards. These rules. Yep. <laughs> that's that's literally the deck, the contents. If you if you it look doesn't at list the box that it comes no, in. No, no, no. So if you cool. haven't got one of those two things in there, you Garth, haven't got the complete. Hang on, Garth. Yeah. The contents of a box don't include the box itself. I'm sure there's a philosophical or anyway. So introduction to the game. So how this game works is you will show an art card to people, much like I am to the gents right now. Oh, and this is oh, this oh. is Frank, the man you're looking at right now. Now Frank appears to be like a rather surly looking truck driver. The card is in black and white, very noirish type of style. But there are three things that are highlighted that are colourful on this card and they are green because there are different levels of difficulty in this game. They'll go from green all the way up to I think purple and there's four or five in between. But some of them, like a lot of these games where you're trying to guess stuff, some of them will come to you really easily, some of them will come to you not so easily regardless of what difficulty they say it is. Mm. So it depends on your mind and kind of the interpretation. So either way, he has a, a green a green wedding wing. A green wedding wing. Wedding ring. Really? Yes, you can see. He also has a black eye that is highlighted green and a pair of dog tags that are highlighted green. So what? Technically, he has a green eye. No, he has a black eye. It's just highlighted by the colour on this card. Okay. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to find out the three secrets, funnily enough, based on these three things that are highlighted. Nothing else. Other stuff in the pictures might give you some ideas, but they're not that important. It's these three things you're trying to guess. And the timer will start with five minutes. And what you will then be doing is asking me questions, preferably one at a time, not yelling on top of each other. And I will simply say either yes, no, irrelevant, which means it has absolutely nothing to do with this at all, or like kind of or maybe. So you may be on the right track, you may be not. That's all I'm going to be able to say as, again, your job in this, as the person reading it out, is that you're a, um, you're a secret witness. You don't want to get too much away because you don't want to get, you know, attacked by the criminals and the whatnot. <laughs> so that is the idea. And the actual back of this card... Um, the one that the person reading it out can see, you've got the picture of the guy, you've got a little story, his complete backstory, as well as the three secrets and three clues that you can give out. If somebody's completely stuck on one of the objects, they can ask for a clue. If you do that, the five-minute timer that has been counting down this whole time, you press a clue, it gets cut in half immediately. So no matter what time you're at. But if you then solve one of them, you pause it, tell them that they solved it, tell them what the secret was, and then this timer resets. So you get five minutes again to guess the next one. Mm. If the timer runs out, you do keep guessing, you keep playing. It just means you won't be able to get a full three stars on this card yeah. because it is kind of a one-off thing that once, like, we've played this Frank card. Yeah, we we couldn't play this again now. But again, this game is like 20 bucks and there's 50 cards yeah. in there. And you could then hand it to a friend and say, you use this with your group of friends or... 
if I just had other two people here that weren't you two guys, I can read this out to you well, that's and it. be the game master. Yeah, say, for example, Leon had other friends that weren't us. He and what take would they, the very what, same game. What would they be doing in the Edge Radio studio, Leon? Is there something you're not telling us? I, I, Do you have three secrets or at least one secret? Yeah. I've brought some of them in. They've been on episodes in the past. I snuck them in without you realising. So, oh. look, yeah, the great thing is... There's a lot of games where it's a one... It's not one V many, but there's no. one person and the rest of the game. Yep. And this is certainly that because one of the people has to play the role yep. of the intermediary. Yeah, you're like a card. moderator and yeah. a rater, someone like that. Yep. But because all of the information is on the back of the card, it's really simple. It's not a daunting prospect to be no. that one player who is reading the card and then answering the questions. Because in that particular example, the questions might be something along the lines of, was Frank in the military? Yep. Is, yes. Is, is Frank driving away from something? Or is... Dra- is Irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. Is Frank divorced? Or whatever the case yep. may be, the yes. questions have got to be what in the business are called closed questions. They're yep. not conversational questions. That no. is, is this thing the case? Yeah, you don't have to have the creativity of a DM yeah. and have, the, because some people obviously are very daunted by that task. That's much as easy it is to guess as it is to be the person giving out the clues, which is pretty cool. And the newer version of the game, so that was the original version we're talking about. The newer version of the game is called Crime Time, which is exactly the same. It does indeed include 50 cards and these rules <laughs> as, the con- as the contents. Uh, the only difference is that all all the cards, they're actually, you play as detectives through time. Ooh. And it's a special computer that's telling you about these cases. And it's on the not back time of it, stories, is it? No, and no, it's not at all. It doesn't take anywhere near as long. And on the back of it, it's kind of set out like a computer page, which is kind of cool. And yeah, there's like the first one you pick up is a caveman who's done a crime <laughs> and things of life like that. The problem I have with Does this... Does it involve hitting? I'm somewhat in there, yes. The one thing I do have a bit of an issue with it is because you look at the cover of this and it just has a, like a noir generic picture of like yeah. a guy holding a Tommy gun yeah. and you just think, well, it's just like the other crime time, which three secrets, sorry, which it kind of is, but this doesn't, to me, say time travelling. It yeah. just says noir crime type stuff. So I didn't know that until I opened the box and went, there you go. But it doesn't really matter. It's still just 50 more cards with 50 more interesting things that you can talk about. Well, that's really, really cool because this game serves a really good purpose in that it fills up time at a game night. It may be a game that if the right group is there, you will play half a dozen or mm. more of these cards back-to-back yep. or you might spend 15 minutes playing one or two while you're waiting for someone yep. to turn up. It fits into that coup where words kind of category of, yes, we can play this for five minutes, yes, we could play it for five hours if we really got into it Completely. and let the conversation fly. Well, I can give you an example. Played in my D&D group recently. We broke for dinner and Sarah, my lovely wife, had played Three Secrets before. None of the other was had. They didn't know about it at all. I literally held up a card to the people on the table and explained to them what I just said to you guys then. I just said to them, you see these three highlighted things? Ask me closed questions about them. You're trying to guess what these three things are. And they just started doing it. Yeah. And that was the explanation of the game and we just played it. And then once it was fi- finished, they were like, that's cool. And someone else said, can I do that? I gave the hand of them a card and then I guessed yeah. one of the ones that I hadn't looked at before. Well, that's the thing. Because the, the cards themselves are colour-coded in levels of difficulty, yeah. mm-hmm. you don't need to be able to know, oh, do you think we're going to be able to get this one or not? Mm. You can just choose one that you think is appropriate for the group and the night and the atmosphere that you've got. Yep. If it's a fun, light party night, you don't want to be choosing the hardest category where no. everyone's going to feel like, 
oh, I don't want to be invested in this. I just want something that we will be able to get. But on that topic, there is the one negative I have to say about this, is that I've come across, there's not many of them, but I have come across one or two secrets you're trying to guess on these cards that are utterly ridiculous. I've talked about it before in a, a very old game called Mind Trap, where some of the riddles in it were like, these are brilliant, I hope the entire game's like this, and other ones are like... No one's ever going to guess this in a million years. That's yeah. utterly ridiculous. There are one or two in here that are kind of, what? That's insane. But they're few and far between. And it's not, again, it's a game that if you don't get it, it's two minutes. It's not the end of the world. So that's the only negative I can have. And in the new version, the Crime Time version, it actually adds cooperative rules, which are exactly what you think they're going to be. You split up into however many teams you want and you just ask questions at one at a time. Sure. And the people that actually get the clues, the people that get two out of the three are the winners. So you can do that if you want or not. It's a filler game. It is more like an activity, if you want, than a, an, an actual game, I suppose. Well, I agree. I think it's a game that you play as long as it's fun. And yeah. if it stops being fun, yeah, pack it up and play something else. There is, there is, I don't feel like there's a win or a loss because even if you, say, lose this game, mm -hmm. you still find out the solutions. Because yeah. you're only ever going to play each card once and you're going to go... Ah, oh, I see, because of the, the thing and the thing and the other thing. Yep. Yes, they are connected or no, they're not. But it's amazing the level of questioning that a table of people will get to yep. when you're looking at a black and white noir still picture. Yeah. It'll look quite innocent. Yeah, and it is. And you will go in a whole bunch of different tangents because as soon as you get one of the clues right you'll then have this information that allows you to go down this particular rabbit hole or that rabbit hole and you're going, okay, I'm really finding out a bit of stuff that I wouldn't have otherwise known here yep. and I'm really invested and I'm trying to think of questions to get the clue giver to answer and move on to the next step. It's a really interesting proposition. And to me it's funny because it's quite similar in some ways to say a where words but it scratches a very different itch. So in both games, you've got sort of one person controlling the flow and you've got other people firing words and trying to guess something, but it's very different. And I'm, I'm wondering, Leon, you're a, mm -hmm. you're a master of... Oh, yes. Um, you can finish it there. <laughs> the, you know, like the exit games and yes, those yes, sort, yes. Of, the, sort of puzzly games. Yeah. Who do you think is going to like this game? Who's this game going to appeal to? Well, as you said, the people that like puzzles, mm -hmm. which is a lot of people, but at the end of the day, the crux of this game is that you're trying to solve something. And so the thing that a, a boss of mine at an old job once told me, that it's a basic human thing that no matter who you are, where you come from, what your personality is, it doesn't matter. Every human on the planet gets a joy out of solving a problem yeah. or fixing something or being the you're correct, you know, getting that feeling. It is... Amongst the seven billion of us, it's one of the things we all have in common. Yeah. And that's what this game is. It's as simple as putting it in front of somebody and guessing it and just having a bit of fun. Um, I'm eventually going to put up a video of my entire board game collection, which I've been meaning to do for ages. But on my shelves I have at home, I've got them kind of put into different themes, different shelves. This three secrets, they sit on a shelf with where words as well as Dixit, Obscurio, and When I Dream. Yeah. Sure. Because they all fit a kind of similar... Some of them have traders in them, some of them have don't, but they are all got the art and the interpretation of them and things of that nature. And 
you could have this with... I mean, everybody has watched a murder mystery with, like, their grandma or something when they're mm-hmm. younger. And kids naturally have an inquisitive mind. Again, there is mature themes in this, so you're not going to be playing this with, like, a 10-year-old, which is kind of sad because I think, like, a kid's version of this would be really, really good. Yes, I agree. Like, and it's a game that... The first one came out in 2016 and it was it took a while, I think, to get an English translation. And as I said, I've never seen this physically in a store anywhere. Even online in Australian stores, I don't think it's available, which is a damn, damn shame. Yeah. Because it's with the new one especially, because both of these games put together, it is 100 cards and people would go, well, that means it's got limited replayability. You go, well, it's... It, you're never going to get through all of them. Even, like, we've played this quite a lot over the last few months. I've probably still only seen a dozen cards. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get my 20 quiz worth out of that. So, yeah, it is a game that I, I highly recommend that anybody can try and get their hands on it to do so because it is much fun. Well, there you go, Leon. That was The Secrets That Were Three. Mm. With the Dice Man Cometh. It's Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We're going to come and wrap this one up after this <laughs> Hey, Leon, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be at work. Sometimes I don't work. Sometimes I come and play games with you guys and fail miserably. I'm also here. <laughs> that, that's, that's all three of us yeah. in the one space at the one time for something that is super important. We just want to remind you about our Patreon-only competition where we are giving away more than 10 games, including Preta the Kickstarter-exclusive edition by Portal Games and Ignace Trezacek. And all you have to do, Leon... Yes. You have to follow us on Patreon. You can subscribe at any level you please. We'd be more than happy to anybody that listens to this ad just to give us a dollar a month. Trust me, you will not know that it's missing at all from your bank account. Unless you want to give us more, then you'll probably notice, but we'll be more appreciative. But that's three people for one dollar. Yeah. Like, that's cheap ads. So cheap. Exactly. And for that, you get the Kickstarter version of Predaporter potentially... And one of over 10 games of which there are some pretty hard to find Australian games in there. So I reckon you should jump on, at least press a dollar, but maybe five or ten or a hundred. Who knows? We're not saying. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's always nice to support your friendly local hood dice men. And we're doing this because we want to get as much money as humanly possible, because that's nice. But we're doing that so we can get to every convention in Australia humanly possible. And possibly around the world, even. And... You still have probably just over a week by the time you listen to this because the competition closes at midnight. I'm going to stay up and check on Christmas Eve. In case you're listening in the future, it was 2019. (laughs) Don't waste time, though. You want to be one of those winning entries. Get in and support us on Patreon. And thank you so much in advance for all your support. Absolutely. Now, you're already listening, but go jump onto Patreon. And then while you're doing that, listen to the rest of the show. Here we go. Yeah, which I'm probably not on, so probably just turn it off if you want after this. After you've subscribed to Patreon, of course. Back to the studio. Well, there you go. Following on from recent hits by Faithless and the Kings of Leon is another current song by current band Green Day with Redundant. You're with the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Garth, the only thing redundant here are your smart-ass comments. Well, the only things that are... Well, I'm not redundant, but I'm going on long service leave tomorrow, so six weeks of holidays. Okay, I have got... One more quick game in a show where all we've done is talk about games, amazingly. Three what you've been playing? The yeah. spo- we're spoiling them for the holiday season. Merry this Christmas. is just a quick little one. Now, we have to give a big thank you to Jesse Harding of Crash Dash Games, as in, like, 
moustache, but crash-stash games, from Salt Lake City, Utah. He sent us a copy of Chicken Time Warp. It does say in the box it's copy number one of a 1,000, but I did eventually work out what that meant was there was a print run of a 1,000. And we got copy number one. Not that this was copy number one. They all say one of a thousand. Sure. It was on Kickstarter. It raised just under $10,000 on Kickstarter back in January 2019. And if you're interested, you can check it out at chickentimewarp.com. It plays three to six players and up to 30 minutes. And it's a time travel chicken-based Take that game. <laughs> oh, I'm sick of all these bloody time-travelling chicken-based games. I know. That's a couple right. of years ago it was zombies, then it's cowboys, now it's and chickens. now it's time-travelling chicken. I'm trying now. to think of a dime of an egg dozen joke. No, continue, Mark. I'll think okay. of one. Okay. <laughs> so unlike many other card games, this is a, instead of draw one, play one, uh-huh. it's turned it right on its head to be a play one, draw one game. Crazy talk. And the play one is optional. What? Oh, such a draw one game. So there you go. So in this game, you are all chickens. Lovely. With various chicken names that I think must be named after Jesse's friends. Um, You are trying to escape in an escape pod. There's one of those in the deck before time goes away. And time basically counts down in this. You have 10 cards that are out, creatively numbered 10 down to 1 maybe zero, and each turn you'll have the time ticks away phase where you'll tick over, tip, turn over the latest time card. So time is ticking down towards zero. When zero is present, that means you're in the part of time where you can jump in the escape pod and escape. You're at the end because of time. Because you have to wait for that to escape. And what you're really trying to do is find this escape pod and have it ready to go and escape when that zero ticks over. Doesn't sound like much fun, really, does it? It just sounds like the light version of Nemesis, but with chickens. Well, there you go. (laughs) Which sounds like an absolute gem to me. However, to throw things around in a timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly type way, you've got cards like the Klux Capacitor, Uh where you can go back in time. Now, did I mention you can die in this game? Oh. There is player elimination. But let's say, Leon, that on turn or time five, so remember time's ticking down to zero, on time five you died. Okay. You place your chicken on time five on the those time card tracks and then if at time three... Garth plays a Klux Capacitor, that's which basically goes back three spots on the time track. You're alive again. Wow, that grand. That's right. So, you know, you can die. There can be player elimination. You can skip your turn, which, let's face it, is never fun in a card game. But because this plays quite quickly, it's not as annoying as it might be. Not as annoyingly as it would be in, say, Here I Stand. (laughs) Where a 12-hour game <laughs> came down to me missing that. my turn. Let's not revisit that. You've got a card called Time Slips Away, which takes away the the highest time point, which means you can never go back to that time. So if you died in Time 5, Leon, yeah. and then we got down and Time 5 was like the last minute left and someone played a Time Slips Away card and Time 5 disappears, you're dead forever. You're oh. out of time, Leon. Um, and basically you're trying to find where the escape pod is 
who's got it in their hand or draw it out of the deck. You've got a few cards which let you look at other people's hands, steal cards out of people's hands. You've got a card called the Swap Block, which lets you block other people from swapping a card out of your hand. Now, in a chicken base game, I think there's a missed opportunity there. Oh, yes. Surely it's a cock block. <laughs> oh, I was going to say stop chicken. No, um, look, I'll, ah, stop chicken, I get it. <laughs> there's not many good time-based games. We know we've tried some of them. It reminded me a little bit of Crononauts, which is by Looney Labs. They rethemed it as Back to the Future. I didn't find that bad. But look, for a quick little game for you and your friends, Chicken Time Warp, it, a bit like we talked about Baby, what's it called? The Baby Dragon thing. Yep, Sleeping Baby Dragon. Sleeping Baby, baby dragon, dragon, Wake Up, Baby Dragon Time. Yeah, by Tinstar. Actually, surprisingly... A, Reasonable amount of fun in a small game. It very simply does what it says on yeah. the tin. Yes. And the rule book is a piece of cake. This has been an edit of The Dice Men Cometh from Edge Radio 99.3 FM, Hobart's independent youth station. Find us on Facebook and edgeradio.org.au.